0: Thank you for listening to this chapel message, originally presented at Clark Summit University in Clark Summit, Pennsylvania. With more than 70 on-campus and online programs, Clark Summit University prepares Christ-centered, career-ready graduates to make a difference around the world. We hope this is an encouragement to you today. So I just wanted to review real quickly what we were talking about yesterday, in case you weren't here. Uh, We talked about belief, and as we were talking about belief... Uh, I kind of indicated that there are, in our culture, there's a respect for belief. People love the idea of belief. So we have bumper stickers, we've got um, throw pillows, sweaters, you know, that have believe. Um, and, you know, again, there's going to be people out there be like, what's wrong with my throw rug that has, or throw pillow, or throw something, throw blanket? I don't know, there's too many throw things. But there's lots of things that are decor-oriented that talk about belief, and I'm stepping on toes, I'm sure, I'm just saying that. But belief is not wishing. It's not some kind of magical pixie dust type of thing. Belief is a decision. It's not a feeling. Contrary to uh, journey, you don't hold on to that feeling. There are no feelings necessarily of belief. You either decide to believe or you don't. And that's really what faith is. Faith is when belief is lived out. And we talked particularly about um, uh, Kierkegaard. So, you know, if you want to impress people, you can say, well, you know, I, I understand Kierkegaard's leap of faith. And so the idea of Kierkegaard, what he, he, he and Guthold Lessing came up with this idea. Well, not came up, they didn't really come up with it, but they just articulated this idea that faith is really in between the jumping and the landing phase of a leap. So when you're on the one side of Of something and you want to get to the other you you make a leap of faith so you jump and then when you're landing uh there's that kind of assurance that wow this is this is great it actually occurred but it's that middle point that's really where faith is evident where you've completely left behind where you were and you're not yet where you are wanting to be and so uh I wanted to develop this idea that actually a conversation with God is a lot like that. In fact, our, our walk with God is a lot like that. How do we hear from God? It's when we take risk, when we do something that we know or feel like God is asking us to do, and we're in that midway point where it's kind of nauseous. We, we, we feel uneasy. It's, it's a queasy feeling. It's very often unsettled. That's, that's the life of a person with faith. But when we see those things happen... Then it's like, oh my gosh, look what God did. Look, look how this was answered in my life. And so we feel like, man, God, God cares about me. He's doing some things. So that's kind of what we talked about yesterday. So I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 5. We're going to look at another boat story. Um, because it seems like Peter finds himself in these boat stories a lot. So this is actually the calling of Peter. This is when Peter... Um, uh, well, I guess his name is really Simon, right? And then Jesus gives him the name of Peter. But in Luke chapter 5, you'll see uh, Jesus is teaching in Galilee. And in Galilee, it's funny because you don't really get this sense. Galilee, the word Galil or Galilee uh, is, is a mixture of some languages and, and so, some, some verbs there that indicate a circle. And so Galilee or Galil means to circle, and that that circle idea meant that uh, you were circled about by towns of people that were not Jewish. So Galilee up in the north is actually a very remote area that is not very close to the Jerusalem population. So the Jerusalem population they're very Orthodox, and when you get up in the Galilee, uh, you had a different accent. It, it was like West Virginia. Okay, can you imagine? Like, ding, 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 You hear, like, hi, you know, I ain't no ways going there. Um, so y- you hear this in the Gospels where it's like, oh, I recognize you. You must have been around Jesus. They recognized him, maybe visually, but they also heard the accent. They knew that a Galilean accent was very different. And so I, I set all that up to indicate that Jesus went to the armpit of culture. I know that's the way they would have viewed it they would have viewed it as kind of like way out there in the sticks and they also would have viewed it good jews would have viewed this place as surrounded by the enemy surrounded by people that were liberal surrounded by people that were not us and that's where jesus seems to set up his home base it's really interesting So, uh, like I said before, geographically, it's kind of like a bowl, you know, and so in this bowl where the Sea of Galilee is, there are certain places that people want to, uh, or gather to listen to speakers, and so look in verse 1 of chapter 5, it says, one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of of, of the Sea of Galilee, again, and that bowl feature kind of gives it an easy way to hear somebody, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push out into the water. So he sat on the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets for some fish. Master, Simon replied. And he's being respectful at this point. He's, he's not saying my master. Uh, there's a big difference there. He doesn't say my master. He just says master. We worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon other boats were filled with fish on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus. And he said, oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. Probably motivated by um, a certain amount of... um, uh, I don't know like like a sense of like because because I'm not a holy person and you are a holy person I'm going to be in trouble so he's just like you know you don't want anything to do with me so in verse 10 uh says his partners James and John the sons of Zebedee were also amazed Jesus replied to Simon don't be afraid from now on you'll be fishing for people and as soon as they landed they left everything and followed Jesus so interesting stuff here Peter knows who Jesus is like many of us Uh, We're not sure what we believe about him. And then he does this crazy miracle where he catches all these fish, right? So Peter pushes back. Do you notice? You know, he's like, hey, look, uh, look, we we fished here all night. So I'm the fisherman. You're the preacher. I know what's going on. This isn't really going to happen if we go out fishing it. And particularly uh, during the day, there were no fish. Like he said, go out and put out your nets. Put out your nets farther out. Farther out, you didn't find the fish. Farther out, the the closer in during the day is where the fish came because it was warmer. So hey, look, uh, y- you don't know what you're talking about. So why don't you just like stick to what you're sticking to? So he pushes back, he raises doubts, and I think this is something I want to start off with today, and want to make sure that we understand about faith. Listen to me, I'm not saying blind faith. I'm not saying everything you hear on the internet, on YouTube. My goodness. Everything from all the preachers out there, just have faith. Just believe in all of it. No, in fact, I would say have a, have a faith that questions, okay? So there's, there's a big difference between a doubter and someone who has faith. But then there's also a big difference between a person who has faith and a person who has faith and yet pokes and pushes and clarifies Peter does this here. He's like, oh, wait a second, what's going on? And then even when he finds out who Jesus is, he's like, oh, you want nothing to do with me. So again, he pokes. And this is a long tradition in our faith of questioning things but having faith. It's a weird, I wish we had an English word for this. That you have faith, you want to follow, but you want to poke at it. You want to test it. You want to push it a little bit. Abraham does the same thing. You ever notice when God says to Abraham, he's like, hey, I'm going to make you into a great nation. What does Abraham say? Anybody remember? And remember what Abraham says? He looks up at God and he goes, How will this be? How will I know you're gonna do what you say you're gonna do? See, he doesn't doubt God. He doesn't say, I don't believe you're there. I'm just gonna go back to watching TV. No, he doesn't do that. He says, Wait, so I'm gonna have a kid, and that kid's gonna have kids, gonna have kids, gonna have kids, and it's gonna be a great nation. How do I know that's gonna happen? And it's funny though, you know, that's not doubting, that's poking, that's saying, I want to wrestle with this a little bit, and that's what I want you to do. When you hear me say, have faith, it's a dangerous thing to just be like, all right, I'll believe anything then, because there's a lot of dangerous ideologies out there, there's a lot of really bad theology out there that you need to poke at, you need to question, but it doesn't mean you don't keep going in your faith. Abraham was an example of that. Uh, so was Moses. What did Moses say? Well, I mean, I, I can't talk. Um, I'm not really good with speaking. Maybe you, maybe you mean somebody else. Maybe you want to have like somebody else do this. He poked at him. There's this tradition in Judaism of humans kind of wrestling with God a little bit. In fact, the word Israel in Hebrew, Yisrael, means to wrestle with God. And guess who gave. Israel, its name. It's almost like God was winking at humanity and goes, I kind of like this. I kind of like when you push back. I, I appreciate that. That's good. Yeah, let's wrestle. Let's do this. Mary. What does Mary say? when it, Okay, the Holy Spirit will come up. Well, actually, no. It says, hey, you're going to be with child. You're going to have the Messiah. She's like, how's that going to be? Because, you know, the normal way that happens hasn't happened and then what does the holy spirit No, the angel at this point says you will be overshadowed by the holy spirit like that explains anything what the heck does that mean okay overshadowed what so all i can think of is there's a light source and then the holy spirit goes you know now i got a baby like what what is how does that answer anything But you see what I'm saying here is that there's a long tradition of people saying like, whoa, wait a second, what's going on here? So I do want you to understand that Peter doesn't question God's existence. That's our doubters today. Our doubters today are atheists, agnostics. They doubt God's existence. And so that wasn't Peter. But he does question God's direction. And that is a life of faith. Because you believe, you're open You want to be used, but God, where do we go? How do we do this? And one of the best ways to keep figuring out God's direction in your life is to keep in the Word. Anything that lines up with the way that Jesus would do things, man, that's the way to do it. I always say this. I say, look, whenever you're you're faced with a decision, should I go into grad school or should I not? Should I marry this person or not? Should I date this person or not? Should I take this job as a part-time job when I got all these other things we're doing or not? This is what I say to everybody. I say, look, Take a, take a skeptic's stance in faith, but take small steps, pray about every step, and don't sin. I know the last part, you're like, don't sin? Like ever? No, just in that step, don't sin. Okay, should I apply for that job? I don't know. What should I do? Lord, I'm praying. I'm, I'm reading scriptures. Okay, I'll take a small step. I'll fill out the application. I'll pray about it. Say, Lord, I'm going to fill out this application see what happens and i'm not going to over represent myself i'm not going to lie about previous experience i'm not going to do anything i'm going to do everything i need to do okay well i got the job all right well i'm going to take a small step and try it out don't sin take small steps pray about everything and you know what's funny it's funny you do like 10 of those steps and it's like this one huge step and you look back and you're like okay i know i'm exactly where i need to be because at every phase of the game you know what i did i took a small step i prayed about every step and I, and I didn't sin in the process of that. So I'm exactly where I need to be. I don't need to doubt my position. So many young adults, you wonder, oh man, should I have done this? Well, I don't even know if I'm in the right spot. You never have to doubt if you do it that way. And so I think that's what Peter wants to make sure of here. He's kind of like, well, wait a second. Back up. Because you know who I am? Because I'm not one of those disciple type people. You can't use me. And actually Jesus is saying, you're the exact person I'm looking for and that's how we feel I think I think we feel like you know what I I think you're better off with the guy who leads worship you know because he has all those prayers and like he plays guitar but you know I don't I think as long as we keep pushing a little bit and say God I'm not I'm not sure what's going on here but see that's only the beginning of what Peter's talking about see we think that his jump is it you know That when we jump over the line of faith, we're done. You know, every person in this room, we have the next jump lined up for us. Think about that for a minute. If we can get into the mind of every person here, you all have a leap of faith yet to take. I know some of you guys are like, oh my gosh, she's talking about that thing that I'm scared about. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I don't don't know. I mean, I got this job offer. I got this thing. I don't don't know what my major is. Maybe I'm going to switch majors. That's what I'm talking about, that you always have a next faith or next uh, step of your faith, a next jump that you're making. Now what's interesting is here, let's follow the Ark of Peter. It starts off with this episode where Jesus challenges him, right? And then he goes with Jesus for the next three years. Now follow me on this. He follows Jesus for the next three years. Can you imagine following the Son of God for three years, seeing miracles, hearing the teaching, going on this like roller coaster ride of everybody's like Jesus is awesome oh wow he really like ticked off the religious leaders yeah he's amazing oh my gosh he raised somebody from the dead no way you serious yeah but now we're at Easter week and everybody hates him so I mean it's just like this up and down experience right and then Jesus dies and then he raises from the dead I can't imagine a more like, mind-blowing journey to have been on. Now, think about this. What is Jesus' reaction to the resurrection? Peter goes back to Galilee. (laughs) Do you ever notice that? Turn to John chapter 21. This is like the last episode of Peter before Acts. It is just fascinating what happens here. John chapter 21, verse 1. It says, later Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Now remember, it says appeared again, meaning this is post-resurrection. He's already, Jesus has already appeared to them, raised from the dead. He's already said, hey, go be my disciples. Judea, Samaria, all the ends of the earth. Right? So this is how it happened several of the disciples were there Simon Peter Thomas nicknamed the twin Nathaniel from Canaan Galilee the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples and Simon Peter said I'm going fishing why why is he fishing some people might think okay well I mean he still has to make a living right I mean he's still going to talk about the word and everything but he's still going to make a living it doesn't seem to be that way seems like he just went back to fishing his disciples say we'll come too So they all went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. Does that sound familiar? Doesn't that sound just like what we read? When he was called away from fishing? I think he needs to give up fishing. He's not very good at it. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows. That's awesome, isn't it? Sorry. Fellows. Have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. It's a repeat of the initial miracle. It's a repeat of the calling of Peter. And you know what? Jesus is saying this. Hey, yo, I still got work for you. Remember, I called you three years ago. We did this already, Peter. Okay, you're going back to fishing. That's great and all, but I got work for you because there's people who need to hear about me. Stop your fishing! Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard it, he put on his tunic for he had stripped for work. We'll overpass that. Jumped into the water, headed to the shore. Then others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore for they were only about 100 yards from the shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them and fish cooking for them over a charcoal fire. Jesus says, Bring some of the fish you were caught. Uh, Verse 12, he says, Now let's have some breakfast. Fish breakfast. Breakfast of champions. Verse 15. After breakfast, Jesus asked him, "Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these?" You know this. He does this three times to counteract the three times that Jesus or that Peter uh, betrayed Jesus or not betrayed Jesus, de- uh, denied Jesus. So it's it's a counteracting of him not uh, accepting that you know telling everybody I don't even know him, and even with a curse. So there's something in this episode that tells me Peter kind of settled. You know, he took that leap of faith. He, he jumped out of the boat. He followed Jesus for three years. He did all that stuff. And he punched his card and said, whew, what a ride. I'm done. And Jesus is showing up again saying, uh-uh. Look in verse 17. Third time Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was heard that Jesus asked the question a third time. He says, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And he said, then feed my sheep. Listen to me. Feeding sheep and fishing are two different industries. It's no mistake that Jesus doesn't say, hey, go catch fish. He doesn't say like, hey, you know, get get really good. Throw the net on the other side of the boat because I've done this twice now and you keep standing on the wrong side of the boat. He doesn't say that. He says, go into the industry I want you to be in. And then he says this. This This is like eerie verse 18 i tell you the truth when you were young you were able to do as you liked you dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go but when you're old you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go no doubt he's not talking about what you're wearing or your age he's saying you're going to suffer my fate Jesus is saying, I need you to come and die for me. Not for me, with me. I want you to die to yourself. That is the call to all of us, is for us to die to ourselves. And so I think Peter has landed instead of leapt. Everyone in this room, Peter himself, has more leaping to do. You don't land. You don't settle. And, you know, I can get it because, you know, Galilee had its own way of life, its own people, way of talking, a comfy job, familiar people. Peter may have figured, look, I've done it. I did the work for three years. Now I'm just going to wait for Jesus to return and go about my business. And that might be your temptation. You're going to feel this temptation as you graduate from here. You know, you're going to say, hey, I did my Christian education. And you, you settle into survival. You know, you have big things ahead. Man, I'm going to get married. I'm going to have kids. And I, I had all these, like, really cool ideas and big dreams at one point. But, you know, I did all that. And now I'm going to settle into the business of survival, the business of business, okay? I, was, uh, I had a friend named Dave Robertson who uh, was a business major in, in uh, college. And he was real excited about starting up a camp for kids, and uh, in this camp for kids, you know, it was going to be like underprivileged kids. And he would open up this thing. And, you know, I kept looking at him like, Are you sure you're going to do it? He's like, oh, I'm totally going to do that. Are you sure you're going to do it? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to do that. He never did it. Because he graduated and he got married, which is cool. I mean, it's great, obviously. But then, you know, he needed to survive. And so he needed to pay some bills. And so he's like, oh, I'll get to that. You know, I'm just going to like make some money. I'm going to do this. And then uh, they had kids. And. That's a great thing too, but all these things started to happen, and the dreams went away. The leap went away, and there was a settling. Man, I'm saying to you, don't settle. If you've got dreams right now where God's saying, hey, I got, I got some really cool things for ahead for you. I want you to leap. I want you to take leaps of faith beyond this. Don't let go of them. I talked to I don't know if you're here today. I talked to somebody in the gym last night who has got a minor in camping, major in business. Where you at? Yeah. What's your name? Jaden. Being uh, like a camp, like leading up Christian camp, right? Got that right? I just want to make sure. So you're not like, uh, no. No. So Jaden wants to lead up a Christian camp. I'm saying to you, man, don't just settle for surviving. And be like, well, I got a job. Okay, cool. Now I've got to find the wife and the two kids and the dog. Like, don't do that, man. Be the Christian camp in your area that pulls in, like, underprivileged kids. Or, or has, like, the Christmas fun drives. You know what I mean? That, like, you are able to bless people with amazing presents for kids that can't afford it. For families that can't afford it. Like, think. Big. Have faith that God has a big story for your life. You know, I think of, I went to Haiti a couple times, and and, and each time I asked some of the guys that were there, the the people that ran uh, the mission there, I was like, what would keep a bunch of college students, y'all, from going down there, learning about what this, there was a small village outside of Port-au-Prince, learning about what this place is like, and it's majorly poor, going back and raising, okay, like crowdsourcing, $5,000. Coming back and buying an acre of land and bringing somebody who knows actually how to work the land, bringing a farmer, and then spending a year showing people how to cultivate the land, till the land, grow either subsistence or commercial uh, crops. What would keep like three or four guys or two guys and two girls, whatever, from doing something like this? He's like, nothing at all. He's like, that's actually very easy. I was like, why aren't people doing it? He's like, well, you know, they got college. What the heck is college good for unless getting you ready to do things that are awesome? And when I say awesome, I mean things of faith, (laughs) like taking that leap of saying, oh, wow, that's funny. I got a business degree. I know how to make money. I know a person who knows how to till land. Let's talk about this. Let's get this going. That's kind of stuff that gets me excited. That's a life of faith. A life of faith isn't like, I'm going to know the Bible. That's a very, very noble pursuit. And you should know the Bible. But how about put the Bible into action? Be the Bible. Effect the salvation that we talk about. So again, I get this. I know that it's comfy. You know, like when we've jumped, we've leaped a few times, it's nice to just settle down and just take a rest. But I don't think God's really about our comfort. See, when we first come to faith, we're all about the experience of figuring it out. You know, trying to find out what Jesus is all about. But over time, and this is what I want to warn you about, there is an undertow in our faith That the longer we are Christians, the more comfortable we become. And you know what I'm talking about. It's those old ladies and old men at your church when you were a kid that would yell at you because you were running in the hall in church. You know what I mean? Do you know what I'm talking about? Those kids, look, they broke another window. Are you kidding me? They're there. That's awesome. We want kids there. Yeah, we'll fix the window. Now, obviously, if it's a brat that's throwing stuff around, they need to be like, hey, kid, you need to stop. But if it's a genuine mistake, you're forgiven. See, you don't want to be that person that's like, I come to church and that's my place and this is my music and I want it all about me. Thank you for listening to this message from Clark Summit University's Chapel Series. Visit www.clarksummitu.edu to learn more about CSU. Become a Christ-centered, career-ready graduate through on-campus and online degree programs. Look for us on social media, at Clark Summit U and share your feedback.